Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Chris Constable. He's the CEO and co-founder at CoinOS. Chris, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm selfishly very interested in what you guys are doing at CoinOS and, and kind of in the crypto space. Um, I, I've been kind of following it. I think it's really quite fascinating. But maybe before we get into all that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Uh, sure. So I grew up um, in Ontario. Canada. Okay, very cool. Sure. And um, yeah, I started off, uh, I'm not sure how far back or the details you're looking for, but I, I started my uh, career in the computer security or information security world. And I was working for Canada's biggest company at the time. And I did quite well. I um was on all of the IT security teams at one point or another. I think I'm the only person who did that. So I had oh, the fancy title of, uh, of global security expert. Um, so at the end of that in 2005, I guess it was. Very um, cool. So I did quite well in the first phase of my career in the security world. How did you, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but how did you get passionate about security? <laughs> Such a good question. So um, in the college in Ottawa, the hardest program to get into was interior design. And so I, more out of, I guess, ego, signed up for interior design just because it was so hard to get into. Okay. And I'm taking interior design post-secondary, and in the second year was the first time that we did uh, computer-aided drafting or AutoCAD. And okay. everyone in the class was really struggling to, like, build a room, which was just, like, you know, a rectangle with a rectangle bed in it and a, a circle table. It was super basic. I did it, like, two minutes. So I was poking around on the computer, and I... Um, accidentally connected to my teacher's computer and was able to see all of her files. And I got a bit of a rush <laughs> from it because I was like, did I just like hack my teacher's computer? Now, for those who are listening who are techies, I, you know, I just mounted, uh, you know, her, her shareable um, drive. But at the time when I didn't really know what I was doing, I, I thought, did I hack it somehow? And so I went home that night and I was like, you know, looking up on, you know, the first phase of internet, like, how do you hack a computer? And I just kind of started to obsess about it and, you know, started reading, you know, reference manual books and um and then I ended up dropping out of college and just literally was in my mother's basement teaching myself how to how to um you know hack I guess or break into systems that's that's very cool interesting um very cool so walk us through the rest of your career you've done a ton of stuff so maybe just some highlights along the way and then we'll let's dive into coin os yeah so I um moved out west um 2005 and okay. I realized my passion was kind of more in privacy and i and once you're kind of at the top of the biggest company in canada like nothing was quite as exciting anymore sure so i kind of started a second phase and went into privacy and i i kind of lucked out every almost every privacy organization in canada i was a technical advisor of i became one of the first international trainers for the uh, iapp which is like oh a, very cool the international association of privacy professionals so um yeah i did kind of you know, fairly well in that second phase. I was an advisor and investigator for 
the regulator in Canada here, we have privacy commissioners or regulators. Sure. And so I got to do that. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, but then I realized in starting my privacy and security consulting company, I really liked the entrepreneurial side of things. Ah. And so I, I uh, started, started several of my own companies um, at different scales. And then I started advising a lot of other companies as well. And so that's been about, um, I guess, 15 years now plus um, of advising organizations and starting little companies myself. Very cool. So how did you come up with the idea of CoinOS and what exactly is it? Yeah, so I, um, in 2013, I had met these two programmers in who lived in Vancouver, which I had never lived in. Okay. And um, I had visited, and um, but I had met these two programmers, and one of them called me at the end of 2013 and said, I'm building out uh, what will be the first Bitcoin blockchain exchange in Canada, and um, this kid just raised 350K, um, and so... Um, we're going to need some security help here. Can you help us out? And I was like, well, I've heard of Bitcoin and, you know, it does seem like it could be the future of money. I don't know if I can like actually secure it or I don't know anything about it at this stage, but I'll come out and take your money and give it a try. Sure. So, you were very early, right? In the space. Yeah. Yeah. 20, January, 2014. And so yeah. um, super early, uh, one of the first in Canada. And then, um, well, probably the world really. Um, I'm not sure. Well, there was Mount Gox. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Before that, in terms of an exchange, but um, and that experience was kind of like um, I don't know Silicon Valley or something. Where if you're familiar with Vancouver, we were totally, in Gas yep. Town, the fancy yep. area, and it's a beautiful largest, area. Yeah, we had the largest rooftop patio. We had a oh, nice. in our office. We had <laughs> you know, drinks and DJs on Fridays, and so it was um, it was fun while it lasted, but it wasn't kind of run as a you know a proper company. I would say. Got you. Um, but I, um, yeah, I fell in love with Vancouver at the time. And uh, I was told, and I had to walk from Chinatown to Gastown. And I was told, if you go to this place called Lost and Found Coffee Shop, you can actually buy coffee with your Bitcoin. And I thought, that's it. And so there's normally this lineup there, you know, people paying fiat currency. Sure. But I could pay from my phone and buy my, like, whatever, $5 mocha from my phone instantly and, you know, kind of beat the line. And so for me, this was amazing. And the, uh, the business was using software called CoinOS. And so, um, so CoinOS as a product has worked, um, I think it was first online in 2012 even or something. Wow. Um, my co-founder built it. So I was just a user right. um, at the time. And so I've kind of followed it because I was like, who's built technology to allow uh, a point of sale and a P2P using Bitcoin? Even to this day, or at least until this year, most people's knowledge of Bitcoin is just to acquire it and hold on to it and watch the prices go up. Totally. But, uh, but Adam, the uh, my co-founder, he had the vision of like, let's make Bitcoin usable. And so he's been focused on that for, I don't know, nine years, I guess. And, um, and he's never charged a dime for it. And so as I followed it in 2016, 17 was the big uh, first real big bull run. Yeah, from you know a thousand to twenty-two thousand. Now Bitcoin's transaction speed and cost goes up the busier the network is, and oh, so yeah. when it hit that peak, it was like I think it was over half an hour and like over a hundred dollars to transfer Bitcoin. So it became cost prohibitive in terms of me being able to buy my coffee. I'm not going to buy a five-dollar coffee and pay a hundred bucks for the opportunity. So sure, so yeah. Coin OS as a POS was kind of dead in the water after that, um, just because it was 
too cost prohibitive unless you're spending something you know buying something over ten thousand dollars it wouldn't make sense to pay that right so um after that they you know the, the bitcoin uh software people had had to kind of come up with a solution for if this if and when this will happen again and so a layer two protocol technology which is called lightning network was built and so when Lightning Network kind of went live, I think it was 2018, uh, CoinOS uh, implemented it right away. We were one of the first 100 nodes to use oh, production cool. Lightning Network. And Lightning Network is a layer two that sits on top of Bitcoin, but it allows super fast, super cheap uh, P2P uh, using Bitcoin. So all of a sudden the POS was now useful again. You can do it, you know, you can do P2P, person to person Bitcoin, but Unfortunately, it was now, you know, a, over a year of a bear market and the Bitcoin buzz was gone and nobody was really, you know, except for the people who've been deep in the weeds, it, there wasn't really a wide market wanting to use Bitcoin. So even though the technology was fixed and it could be used, nobody was kind of really using it. Um, the, the other layer two technology that's super fascinating is called Liquid by Blockstream. And so uh, Liquid is another layer two, but this one allows two other unique things on top of Bitcoin. One is the ability to do smart contracts, and the other is to do confidential transactions with Bitcoin. So these are two really fascinating things. So if you've heard of smart contracts, it's probably through Ethereum, which is yeah, totally. yeah. the winner in that category right now. So the fact that you, most people, even as I'm talking to you, would not be aware that you can do smart contracts on Bitcoin now, and that's thanks to Liquid. Right. So... And so, um, Adam, again, my co-founder, always on the bleeding edge and uh, building the future, he uh, implemented it right away into CoinOS. And, cool. and so your, your, we call it a Satoshi. A Satoshi is the lowest common denominator of Bitcoin. It's the eighth decimal place. It's, it's kind of like what the penny is to the dollar. And okay. so CoinOS is unique in that we've always called it sats. So you don't say, you know, you don't say I have point, you know, zero, 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 one Bitcoin. We just say you have one sat at the very bottom, right? Gotcha. And so what CoinOS does that's unique, though, is if you want to do a lightning payment or a liquid payment or a Bitcoin payment, you don't have to transfer between them. It, in CoinOS, it all automatically happens. So you just put in a liquid address, a lightning address, whichever, and you can send your sats. So there's no extra conversions or anything. And so it's a really amazing user experience that most users have never experienced Um so, yeah, maybe just pause there. But that's um, that's the real kind of exciting thing for me that um, that we got with our web wallet is, uh, well, the two other things, I guess, relevant to bring up is most people are used to downloading apps to your phone. Um, now, as a privacy person myself, I way prefer a web wallet because if you're going through the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, these yep. are... A, American tech companies, and B, they're very privacy invasive. They know everything about your phone and you. And so with our web wallet, when you you just need to go to any internet-enabled browser, log in, and away you go. So um, Interesting. the user experience is more privacy-centric. It's a lot less friction. You don't need to download anything. As long as you have internet connection and a browser, you're, you're able to use your Bitcoin. Sure, but even if you had an app, that like to your point a second ago, like even like your app won't work if you don't have the internet. So you need the internet on your phone no matter what, right? Or at least data. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So walk us through how does a company, let's go, how does a company actually use and implement CoinOS? And then let's go to the user. You just touched on it, but I think it's probably going to make sense to explain 
how somebody actually uses CoinOS and then let's go come at it from a user's perspective. Yeah, so, um, well, so there's two parts to CoinOS. There's the web wallet that I was talking about. Yeah. When, when Adam implemented Liquid into the wallet, it got the attention of Blockstream, who's the sure. inventors of the protocol. And they reached out, and uh, this was before my involvement even last year. They said, um, man, you guys, you know, you've already created the ability to create NFT tokens or, you know, in using Liquid in your web wallet. And you've, um, you know, integrated Liquid fully and started to create a marketplace. We think NFTs are going to be really big next year. Could you build us an NFT marketplace? Oh, interesting. So as big as Blockstream is, um, they asked Adam if he could build what is now called raretoshi.com. And so Adam said, I'd love to build it. It would be a great opportunity. Um, on the condition that my ethos is everything has to be open source. And so by being open source, anybody else can use the technology we build and use it themselves, or they can hire us to modify it for their needs. And so Blockstream is also quite progressive in this way. And they said, sure, that sounds great. That's awesome. Yeah, it was super, super cool. And so um, the other thing just in the background is I've talked to Adam over the years and, um, you know, he's... uh, you know, one of the best humans I know, he, he never charged a dime to anybody f- for like the first eight or nine years. And I said, wow, you want everyone to make, you know, to ha- be able to buy, sell, use Bitcoin. And instead of it just being you, if we actually turn this into a company and, you know, hired people, we can actually scale it out even bigger and more faster than just you on your own. And so I was kind of, uh, you know, some some gentle pressure to say, let's turn this into a business. And so it was only over a year ago he went and registered as a formal company. And then um, and then in the spring when we were talking, you know, as we were doing a lot of back and forth, he's like, you know, he's not um, he's not as excited about the business side of things. He's more of the builder side. And sure. I like the building side and the business side. And I think that we can still match our values of everything being open source. So there's no barrier to, um, you know, as, as little barrier as we can create for people to participate resonates with both of us. And so um, he said, well, here's the keys. Let's see what you can do and let's do it together. So I've only been CEO maybe six months of this nine year old company. And so we are money maker to this day. We've not, we still never charged a dollar to use CoinOS at the, as of talking to you. Interesting. <laughs> kind of amazing. And so, um, what, where we make our money is we are a the first and I think the only um, Bitcoin slash liquid based NFT marketplace, but we're a white label or a private label. So that means a business can come to us and say, can you build us want, uh, an NFT marketplace that's based on Bitcoin, but we want our branding and logo on it. And so that's right. our bread and butter right now. And we can't keep up with demand um, wow. for, for this service. It's been incredible uh, journey, especially in the last few months. And so, and what's really exciting is most people to even today, when they think of NFTs, they think of the digital art use case, like, like that's on rare Toshi today. Um, right. But what's really excited is we've just because we're, you know, we've been on the bleeding edge for so long, uh, me and my other businesses, as well as Adam and coin OS that the people who are reaching out to us are all, our brands are saying, well, where do you think NFTs are going to be big in two years? And so we get to ideate with the brands and the businesses and come up with a unique use case for each of them. And so the, the things we're working on, which will be launched, you know, there's going to be at least, I think, five or six new NFT marketplaces launching in January that are oh, cool. all using completely different use cases of NFTs that people may not have even 
thought of yet or heard of. So it's just super exciting building, you know, building the future. No, totally. That's actually really cool. So may, can you maybe give us some other examples of stuff that's maybe coming in the NFT space without talking about stuff that hasn't launched yet? <laughs> I know yeah, that's yeah. probably tricky. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, the big one that um, that I'm really excited about is in the uh, real, real estate space. Okay. Real estate is going to be super fascinating as an NFT. Like right now, <clears throat> there's no reason that, um, well, I should say, bureaucracy is the only reason that selling a house or a condo is um, takes a long time. Right. There's no technical barrier that we can't make your contract of your home ownership into an NFT. And then I can go and buy that NFT, which is the deed for your house. Now, right now, in most jurisdictions, you have to go through like a land transfer title office, which is, again, slow and bureaucratic. But what I think we may see in the there definitely will be the ability to buy property with Bitcoin in the next year. And there will be the ability to make your property an NFT in the next year. There's still going to be a lot of nuances. That's step one. You know, down the road, though, in the next year, couple of years, there will be pressure on these land transfer title offices and saying, why aren't you just doing it as an NFT smart contract? And, you know, you get your whatever thousand dollars or whatever it is to do the land transfer, but we can have it all happen in the click of a button. So the fact that it takes days or weeks to do this right now is just because we're participating in the old school mentality. So the more of these digital assets or physical assets that are converted to an NFT, which is basically just an immutable asset, right? Or a provable asset. Once we do more and more of these things, like things are just going to speed up and be a lot more easier. The idea that I can be sitting on my, you know, on my couch, scrolling on my phone and buy a house in one click, we can totally make possible like this year. It's just going to be up to, you know, how long does it take for the bureaucracy to catch up with us? Got you. That's, that's actually really cool. Maybe, can you maybe give some other examples? Because I think a lot of people have kind of heard the term NFT, but they don't really understand what it really means. And I think the real estate example is actually a really good one to get people to understand. So can you maybe give us some other examples? Yeah, yeah, I've got several. So there's, um, we have a, a tequila company client and they have really fancy bottles. Um, okay. Artistic made bottles. And in cool. the cap, they're putting what's called an NFC, uh, which is okay. a chip, not token. So the NFC is the thing that when you tap something with your phone, that's the NFC. It's like the new version of RFID. So right. you will be able to tap your tequila bottle uh, okay. with the NFC under the lid of the bottle, and that's going to attach to an NFT. So lots of fancy acronyms. Oh, interesting. But, but basically, you'll now be able to prove forever that you owned that tequila bottle. Now, um, that could come with digital art as well, for example. But one, imagine in a year from now, the you know the hundred owners of these hundred bottles that have the NFT, the tequilaria could say, "Hey, we're going to fly anyone who owns one of these NFTs down to Mexico." Sure. So if you can prove that you had the NFT, well, you know that NFT cost me fifty bucks or a hundred bucks for the tequila bottle. And all of a sudden I can't, you know, I'd love to go, but I can't for whatever reason. Well, that's probably a $2,000 trip. I could go sell my NFT to you, Kevin, even though you didn't drink the tequila, I could sell you the NFT for $500 and right. you get the trip to, you know, Mexico out of the deal. So it's just trying to think creatively of like, what's the value of, of, you know, perpetuity of owning an NFT. 
Another example, one of the big ones we did this year is the first Bitcoin NFT ticket. Okay. So you go to um, silhouettesthemovie.com. It's a sci-fi film. And the only way you can watch it is by buying a Bitcoin-based NFT. And, um, and, and that's the only way you can watch this feature film. And so I can always prove that I actually have that ticket because I have the, not just the like visible ticket, but I have it as an NFT. So there could be perks in the future of, imagine, for example, I could prove to Bruce Springsteen that I went to five of his concerts because I have the actual NFT. He could incentivize me to say anybody who has five NFTs from previous concerts gets early access to the next concert ticket or something like that. So there's a lot of these interesting benefits of having an NFT through perpetuity, through more marketing benefits, more opportunities for your customers or users if you're a big brand. Sure. No, I, I think that's actually really cool. So I, I know some of the questions I get asked sometimes is, okay, so I own this NFT, where is it stored and how do I make sure it's secured? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. Uh, it, there is no kind of universal standard right now. Sure. Um, so people are doing really bad and some are doing good 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 things with this but it's a it's a hard problem to solve one of the you know actually two of the most popular nft digital art platforms they both are storing that nft on their servers which i think is a terrible idea because if some if that business gets hacked or you know in a hundred years from now if that business goes under or whatever then you might not have access to your nfts yeah. so there's some other kind of decentralized technology the most popular one is called ipfs which stands for interplanetary file system so you can put something on ipfs and then it's like you know there forever so excuse me that's what we do is we just tag it your asset to ipfs so Got you. Even if something happens to CoinOS or me or whatever, um, you don't care because your asset is in an immutable place forever. So that's, that's I think, a really important one. The other term, you know, we have a lot of fancy terms that take some <laughs> getting used to, but um, custodial versus non-custodial is okay. something for people to think of. So custodial is, are you leaving your asset on that server? which is kind of what I was just talking about. So if, if I buy a digital art piece and that art piece is on, you know, on whatever it's called, NFT Art World website, um, then if then I'm relying on NFT Art World to stay up and not be hacked and not lose my digital art that I own. Totally. If it's non-custodial, it means I have the keys. And by having the keys myself, then it's up to me to res responsibly manage that key. So let's just say I had that on my, you know, my, my smartphone in a non-custodial uh, asset. Well, if I lose my smartphone, that arts, I have no longer access to it forever because I've lost the private key that can prove that that was my asset. So you've got to really think through, are you techie enough that you trust yourself to manage the private key or would you rather a custodial service where they manage the private key for you? So there's, there's benefits and risks to each of these things. Sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious then, have you seen or have any ideas or thoughts around startups offering uh, NFTs to help promote their, their brand? Because I think that's where my head goes right away. I know you mentioned some big brands, but have you seen any smaller companies or that, that are just trying to launch uh, get into this space? Or do you think it's kind of too risky or it doesn't really make sense until you have a bunch of users? 
Yeah, I think, well, it's all about the, yeah. If you don't have the strong brand power right now, then I generally would say don't. Um, okay. It, there's a cost to creating and managing this thing. Uh, with the exception, if you are creative enough to think of an incentive model where people are going to jump all over each other for that. So for example, we have a startup uh, here in BC we're building out for, um, depending on when this goes live, their site might be live, but it's, um, it's called Cosmos, uh, okay. C-O-Z-M-O-S.io. And they are an NFT experience startup. So they don't okay. have a strong branding power right now, but because they're a white, they're a NFT marketplace, you can go and say, you know, I would, you want to do, I don't know, like say pick Kevin's brain for one-on-one, one hour a month, you're going to allow people to talk to you, Kevin, and say, what's it like as a, you know, as a podcaster. Um, So that's an NFT ticket that people could buy and you offer one hour a month. Well, you know, if I, if I used it twice and then I was, I could go sell that ticket to someone else and then they could get that hour. So um, one could be, you know, a, a dinner with a celebrity. If you happen to know a celebrity, there's lots of experiences. I could go, you know, mountain biking with some professional mountain biker. And so in this case of this startup, they're because they're building their own marketplace um, they don't have to worry as much about the branding as long as there's some experiences that have an incentive for users want to sign up and participate no that's that's very cool so i'm curious to get um some other so we talked about this marketplace how does that tie into the web wallet i'm assuming not at all is that fair to say yeah, they don't have to be attached, but they have the benefit because we built both that we make it as seamless as possible. So if you've ever bought an NFT digital art, for example, your experience is you generally need Ethereum. So you'd go on to some what's called an on-ramp, off-ramp exchange. You'd buy some Bitcoin, convert it to Ethereum, figure that out. Then from Ethereum, you need to be able to you know, use it on the digital arts uh, website, which usually you would use a tool, a plugin called MetaMask. So you'd have to go and install MetaMask in your browser, set that all up, then move your Ethereum from wherever you got it to your MetaMask wallet. Then you go to the website that sells the art and you log into that website with your MetaMask and, and then you can go and buy the art. So there's at least like four steps there that are friction to a yeah. new non-technical user. Well, and none of that's that, like that's it's not hard, but it's, you need to be somewhat technical to understand how to do all that and figure all that out. And you'll probably run into hoops, right? Or issues. Yeah. Yeah. And in the, you know, the, in startup parlance, we call it friction. It's just a lot of friction for a user to go understand, well, what is, what does this seed phrase for MetaMask mean, you know, and just making sure that you understand it because, because it's non-custodial. If you lose your private keys, you've just lost everything in your MetaMask wallet. And so a lot of users aren't really aware of that. Um, So there's a education piece there as well. Um, Now with CoinOS, because we've integrated liquid, which is what allows smart contracts into our Bitcoin web wallet. Let's just say you have, you know, have a thousand dollars in your CoinOS web wallet on the custodial side, you can go and on any of our NFT marketplaces and just buy it as liquid. And we do all the conversion for you under the hood. So you can just say, you know, whatever, 48,000 sats, click, click buy, uh, scan a QR code, for example, and then it's, you've got it. So we've, we've really minimized all, all you had to do is use the Bitcoin you already had 
and in one click you've just bought an nft and that's just an experience that like people haven't unless they've used our platform i've never had before so seamless sure no that's that's actually really really fascinating um and and cool that you guys are, are building that and have built that i'm curious then how does that play or does it play into the enterprise space um well well the fun side on the enter so again we've never made a dollar on the coin west web wallet right but i had a client meeting luckily enough in el salvador a few weeks ago oh cool and el salvador is as you probably know is the on September 7th, they made Bitcoin legal tender. Yeah, which is cool. So. Very cool. Amazing. Super amazing. So to be there for that was, it's like being there the day the internet was created. Sure. The day Bitcoin becomes legal tender and it starts to reshape global macroeconomics to be there in the, so there's a small town where it all started called El Zante or BitcoinBeach.com. And okay. uh, so I got to be there on this little That's beach. cool. And so it was super amazing experience. And what's, and so in order to use Bitcoin, so sorry, every business or every enterprise in El Salvador, the country, as of September 7th, can no longer say no to accepting Bitcoin. That was part of the Bitcoin globalization. Wow. So all of a sudden, you have millions of people and business owners who, if I go in and say, I want to buy my Starbucks coffee with Bitcoin, the Starbucks can't say no. So I literally bought a Starbucks coffee with my Bitcoin sats while I was down there. It was That's amazing. And so they have basically in the country, there's like one wallet called Chiva, which is the government mandated ish wallet. Okay. Um, now to incentivize El Salvadorians to participate, the government said, if you, you know, go through KYC and, uh, or know your customer, basically give your ID to prove you're a legal citizen. We're going to give you $30 us worth of Bitcoin. So oh. like, as of talking to you now, like over half the country has received $30 us worth of Bitcoin and is using this wallet. So that's it's, amazing. It's super cool. And so when I was down there on my, I'll never forget on my first night, I'm at the hotel and, um, and, you know, there's a lot of Bitcoiners from around the world there, too, just to be there for this exciting day. Sure. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, you should check out our web wallet. You can actually use it to accept Bitcoin if you don't want to use the government one. And so I was at the hotel and the hotel owner was there. And there was a small crowd around me and I showed how easy it is to use CoinOS. And I love it. Like, I would love to show you even if you want while we're talking. But it is so crazy when people see how fast and easy it is to use that. I did a transfer and when I did like I, I got like an applause. The hotel owner, nowhere lies, wearing a Bitcoin El Salvador shirt, took off his shirt and gave it to me. That's like, amazing. Who are you? So like I still have it. I love it. It's like I have the Bitcoin El Salvador t-shirt from the uh, from the hotel owner. And um and it was just crazy to watch the network effect of people seeing CoinOS and and then you know we're not a government, so you don't have to trust us. Our um, our code is open source, so you don't have okay. to trust me or my company either. You can go look, go look on GitHub at our source code to see that there's no backdoors, there's no hidden agenda. We don't charge a dollar for it. We just want more people to be able to use Bitcoin. And so it started to really, really spread really quickly um, that all these business owners are know they have to accept Bitcoin. Now they're like, 
how do I do it? And so everywhere I went, you know, I would answer questions. And, and then I had my own like friends that I had just met were going and telling other business owners. And so it's had a, a bit of a network effect down there. That's been fascinating to watch uh, to the point that like, got a, almost started a little bit of a cult following while I was down there. That <laughs> it's awesome. I had, I had trying to come home to Canada. I needed what's called a PCR test, which they didn't have in this small town. So I had to go into the the capital city San Salvador to find one. Okay. And so I get a message from a few people I had met um, in El Zante and they said, Hey, where are you? I said, Oh, I'm in San Salvador. I got to get a PCR test to go home. And they said, uh, well, where are you? I said, well, in the city. And they said, well, can we come in and hang out with you? So I had like people, several people drove in like an hour and a half just to like hang out. And we went to the restaurants. That's every amazing. Restaurant, every restaurant we're at, like it was kind of still surreal to like remember it, but like not only did the people I was with, show the owners of every restaurant and pub we went to that they could now use CoinOS to accept Bitcoin. It, we got so much attention that the patrons in the place were like, what's this all about? And so we just went around sending sats to patrons in every restaurant, every everywhere we went, we basically gave away Bitcoin for free um, just, <laughs> That's to, cool. just to watch people's face on how easy it is and how exciting it is. So it was a, it was a really amazing experience for sure. Sure. So any predictions for where you see the crypto space going in the next few years? I know that's kind of a hard question, but I, I'm curious because you guys seem to be on the very cutting edge. It's almost like the stuff you guys are developing today will probably be in the headlines in six, eight, three years, couple years, something like that. Yeah, it's um, well, in terms of Bitcoin adoption now, again, because we're, you know, we're working with brands who are building the future. Yeah. One of the things I experienced, especially with conversations when I was in El Salvador, is I'm privy now to 14 countries that want to legalize or adopt Bitcoin. So wow. um, that's not kind of all. Some of them are public. Like I know Iran has mentioned it. Mexico has mentioned it. Cuba's mentioned it. There's like five Central American companies countries ready to go so in the next six to 24 months i suspect there will be several other countries announcing it um this is going to be a really interesting thing because usa and canada are generally not as um, excited to the idea of countries using bitcoin as legal tender um, sure. and so it's going to be really fascinating to play out i think these um developing countries versus um USA is how I see it playing out right now, just with the regulation. So um, it's going to be a fascinating space. I I hope that the regulators, um, like the the way that the U.S. and Canada are playing right now, is they're moving into this technology called the central bank digital coin or CBDC, yeah. and all that does is make every transaction you do completely trackable by them. Totally. And so the, it basically. It, it's like the worst of both worlds. You'd, I'd rather use a U.S. dollar in person than use a CBDC. So, um, interesting. Why, I agreed, why, but that's interesting that you say that. Yeah, I mean, I just am. I'm of the mindset that, like, the traditional law that I grew up with is like, if the police or government has reasonable belief that you're doing something bad, then you know they should be able to investigate you sure but i don't participate in the narrative of what i call fishing expeditions or surveillance culture where let's collect yep. everything and then we can look at anybody because you can find problems with anything if you are looking for it and i just yeah. don't think that's the model that we want as a society personally um and so yeah this is the cbdc's are moving towards surveillance culture where 
every single thing I've ever spent. And the government can then cut you off from your stuff too. Yeah. They could say like, no, you can't spend that now. And and they can even start, you know, the this is actually crazy to me, is the IMF. They actually said something recently about the um, Chinese social credit score being like, not a bad idea or something like that. And I was like, the International Monetary Fund people are saying this? Like that, that if I mouth off on Twitter against my government someday, that all of a sudden... I'm going to get limited access to my money. Like this is not the world I want well, to live in. Well, it's interesting. No, I agree with you. hundred percent agree with you. And I'm actually Canadian. I live in Edmonton. So um, the, the funny thing is that I found even trying to buy cryptocurrency in Canada, um, some banks won't even let you buy it. Like I've had trouble, like I can't buy it with my visa, for example, but I can buy it with my MasterCard. And I've had a buddy that had a crazy amount of time. Like he had to end up like, sending money to like a credit union bank in another province just to get and he had to like lie to his bank because they they wouldn't let him actually transfer it to like a cryptocurrency exchange right to actually start buying crypto like it's actually like a really big deal or at least i don't know what it's like in america you probably have a better understanding but it can be just a pain just to get money out of your bank and move it into a cryptocurrency and I'm talking like sometimes like even moving a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars. Like I'm not saying moving a hundred grand or something. I, I don't know what, how much money he was trying to move, but I've even had trouble trying to move a few hundred dollars to a cryptocurrency. Yeah. I mean, you've hit one of the hottest challenging things in, at least in Canada is the banks and credit unions have colluded and deemed anything in cryptocurrency or blockchain or Bitcoin as high risk. And um, you know, for example, we had our first bank account taken away from us. Wow. And I said, why did we get our bank? We're a legal business. We're, you know, CoinOS is registered with FinTrack, which is the financial crime regulator. We're registered okay. as a money service business dealing in virtual currencies. We're fully compliant with, you know, ma with making sure that our participants are not money launderers, that they're not terrorist financers, all the bad things. Like we're fully sure. compliant with everything. Never had a fraud complaint, never had a security uh, complaint or anything uh, through the bank and yet the bank just took away our bank account so when I was reaching out to them I'm like why are you doing this and I said well we saw that you're in Bitcoin and blockchain and we just deem it high risk I'm like but we've never had an incident like what on earth like what is it what, why don't you come in and like audit us and look at our security like, my background security I'm like you know arguably I would say I'm more secure than the banks right now or, totally uh, uh, well, they're getting you know, hacked sometimes. Well, this is all the time. And this is <laughs> this is actually another misnomer that's really entertaining as somebody who's been in the space is we have this illusion that banks are secure, but the bank tech systems were mostly built in the 70s. And you can totally. imagine how much has evolved since then. Yeah, so they just touch. rubber rubber banding them. What banks are great at as risk management is they are good at making sure it doesn't make the news that they've been hacked because it would create fear of their users. But they're actually hacked all the time. And yeah, so, totally. Um, so, which yeah, is wild to think about right yeah so it's so i'm like saying well what are how do we fix this and they say well that's not our problem and I'm, so the fact that banks are making it so difficult to be a legal you know business uh and and, and it's not just bitcoin or blockchain by the way they they deal if anything that is stigmatized um they generally will deem it high risk like cannabis is another example sure uh, yeah uh, you know, like selling bongs or, you know, selling uh, adult toys. 
things that are fully legal, um, if they're stigmatized, the bank can just pull your bank account and say, sorry, um, we deem you high risk and there's no repercussions for that. There's no recourse. It's, it's crazy that we have that like, it's almost like the banks are like setting themselves up to fail. Um, like it is, it doesn't make sense to me. I would say a mortgage is the only reason I would say use a bank today. Interesting. The, the other really exciting thing. And I, I think you asked a few minutes ago, but like, where do I th see things going? Like Bitcoin and blockchain revolutionary already proved out the most useful, economic, secure. It's never been hacked in 10 years, which is incredible. As a Yeah, like unheard of. Unheard of. Like it's like, and so now it's just a machine that can't be turned off. On top of that, there's two new really big spaces. NFTs is the one we've been talking about. Yeah. The other one is called DeFi or decentralized finance. With DeFi right now, I can take my Bitcoin and it's, they don't call it lending because they have to use fancy words for everything, but we call it staking. I can right. stake my Bitcoin right now and say, I'll lend one Bitcoin, which is say 60,000. And yeah. I can just get 8% return on it for lending it out to other people who want to use my Bitcoin. 8%, Ooh. this is like... When you compare that to say a thousand dollars in your bank account right now, how much is it making you? It's making you like point zero point one percent at best. Like sure. So it's not even comparable. Eight percent versus that. And that's the safe stuff in DeFi right now. I did I did two transactions in the high risk stuff. They call it yield farming. Uh, okay. And they were returning like over eight hundred percent APY. Wow. Like, so it makes no sense. Anybody who's got money sitting in a checking or savings account at a bank in Canada or the US just doesn't understand DeFi yet. And this space is so revolutionary, as well as NFTs. Like, they're going to reshape the world. And we're in a pivotal time where the returns this year are like obnoxious. <laughs> I don't even say that lightly. Like, it's, you know, it's just, it's, insane how much uh opportunity is there right now like i've been telling my friends i'm like if you can take six months off right now even while we're talking if you can take six months off sabbatical right now and just learn DeFi or nft whichever one interests you more do a deep dive for six months to really understand it you will make more money than you will in your job like interesting this is, it's that much of a pivotal yeah. we're at the beginning of like like DeFi and nfts are like at you know being with the internet creation in 94 95 it's like being there at such a pivotal time it's like don't miss this window um so and i'm just lucky that we're we're here on the forefront with coin os no that's that's actually really really fascinating because like i agree with you that we're at this huge moment in history and i keep relating the banks to kind of how the record industry pushed cds well after their time, right? And we all know what happened with that. And I think when you, at least what I found resonates with people is when I explain it to them like that, it's like, look, it what we're going through right now is the start of like what was happening with when record companies were pushing CDs on everybody and trying not to go digital, right? It's like, I, I just see it as the same kind of thing. Like, sure, you can still buy a CD, but how many people actually buy that, right? Most people are just using streaming services now these days and i i know it's maybe not like a totally fair comparison but i think it's just like so many things are going to be digital and arguably uh like starbucks to me was almost like the first popular cryptocurrency because once you loaded in your money you could basically use it at any starbucks worldwide right and you didn't need that 
local currency in your pocket, right? You just scan your app and it would pay, right? So I think it's kind of already been around. We've already been using different forms of cryptocurrency in different ways. But I think the big thing now is going to be what's coming out of Bitcoin and Ethereum and a few of the other kind of altcoins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think, well, to your first point, like banks are like the music industry right now and that they're not allowing users or businesses to participate in their system. Totally. If you say that you're participating in Bitcoin or blockchain, it's they're they're just trying to make it look dodgy. So when you hear in the news like, oh, this is like, you know, it's used for bad and like, you know, this this company but so is a, regular money <laughs> like yeah yeah oh i mean <laughs> and i think you know one of the other fascinating things you can do in coin os in two minutes is like you can create both fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens in like 10 seconds right now you can wow. create you can create one kevin token so an nft where you can create 38 billion kevin tokens right now sure. and and push it it'll cost you less than a dollar because we we don't again charge any profit on it, so right. it's just whatever the network charges, and we'll push it out to the global liquid network. So I could easily then trade and say say you have a you know a brand that uh, I don't know podcast abilities. I could trade four Starbucks tokens for one Kevin token. Um, yeah, so the cool. idea of interchanging tokens between brands is going to be the future as well, and that's going to be a really fascinating um, thing to watch. I have a guy right now, actually, one of my one of our clients. I love this guy. He's so deep now into NFTs. He's I don't even know if he's 30 years old, but he's like playing at the the really big level. And there's some really fancy NFT brands right now. Uh, one of them is called the Board Ape Yacht Club. He just offered me when he came into town and we were meeting for business, and he's like, "Chris, do you want to buy my condo in in uh, Whistler?" I said, "For how much?" He said, "400k." I said 400k in Whistler if, for context. Like, yeah, that, I didn't that's that cheap. Could, it's super cheap. <laughs> like ridiculous cheap. Like, why would you dump it for $400, man? He's like, because I want to buy a Bored Ape NFT. I said, you want to sell your profitable rented one bedroom in Whistler to buy one digital image? He's like, I couldn't sell it fast enough if you would pay for it. Wow. It's just like, so these are the people on the ground realizing what the space is really like. And when I share that to people who aren't in the space, it just sounds crazy. They're gonna, this guy is going to sell his apartment that's making money to buy a <laughs> digital image because the profits and the gains are going to be so much more rapid than property in Whistler, which is like, yeah. you know, so. For, for um, people yeah. that don't know, how do you, how would you describe Whistler? Like it's a, a beautiful it's, ski, it's, like. Yeah, mountain town basically outdoorsy yeah it's the, it's the skiing area for the world elite in canada yeah so that's like fair. the world elite fly in all winter and get to ski on those are our two biggest mountains black home and whistler it's a, a luxury village and so um yeah so to, it's like one of, and then like the property values do not go down there because again it's where the world's elite play and hang out so yeah and you can walk the town which is amazing totally and so it's um yeah. So I'm just trying to give you the idea, though, for the people who are getting it, they're just making yeah. so many gains. Totally. And, the, the, um, and yet there's so many people that just don't understand it. And I'm like, it's, it's worth learning. It's like, imagine the opportunity. If somebody said to you right now, you should learn how the Internet's going to work because it's going to be a big thing. Like yeah. people who are that in the 90s and just, oh, it's confusing. I'm not going to like, but the people who did, like, yeah. look how well they did. Right. And so this is that opportunity right now. For anybody like listening is like like again 
even if it's just if you you know if you still have to work to pay your bills or whatever in the evenings and weekends like i would say give up for the next couple months you know less partying and more studying just to to really leverage this unique window in time it's not going to be like this forever and so it just makes me sad when I'm like, hear people who are like, oh, I keep hearing about it year after year, but I haven't really done anything yet. But one of these days, it's like, the day is here, man. The profits are like obnoxious. Um, <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? I don't even understand. But uh, no, but there is. Go I ahead. Just, I was just going to say, there is a huge education component to it. Like, don't totally. get me wrong. It's not, you, you're not going to just like understand it on day one. That's what I'm no. saying. Like, but you know dive in the communities are getting bigger and bigger lots of places to learn i notice on twitter spaces now this this like clubhouse alternative that twitter's offering where it's like audio conversations like the whole bitcoin like universe is on twitter doing these like daily like we can go on twitter right now and there's going to be live audio conversations with you know heavy hitters in the bitcoin world so you can learn what they're doing listen to what they're doing and recommending and then kind of try out at a safe level yourself till you understand it nope very cool but sadly we're out of time so how about we close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself coin os and any other links you want to mention um yeah you can go just uh coinos.io um so c-o-i-n OS as an operating system, .io as in input output. So coinos.io is our website. Um, if you're a brand or business listening, reach out. And uh, even if you don't really understand the NFT opportunities, uh, we're really good at helping you walk through that and understand it and see if we can find a fit. Uh, we're on Twitter at CoinOS Wallet. And um, yeah, that's it. And I'm also on Twitter. I'm, I'm CQWWW um, as in World Wide Web. And that's uh, me. So you can ask me questions anytime. And uh, yeah, I just love helping people get into the space. And, uh, and there's no such thing as a dumb question. Very cool, Chris. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye now. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community. Sign up for our newsletter or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future. <laughs>